It is the loftest party. Congratulations, you found it. Aloha and ahoy hoy, mi amigos. We got a great show for you today. Uh, we got Stacy Lennox. We got the Liberty Gypsy from somewhere, what, it was southeast of here. I don't know where you are. I don't know direct. I'd be a horrible policeman. You know, cops always, right? How cops, cops. cops always do that. He's going north. Uh, he's going northwest on Bling Blang Road. He's down. I would be. I would be lost. I would be completely <laughs> lost. I'd be like, he's making a left by. Remember that old Jiffy Lube? Remember the Jiffy Lube? <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> we got we got Stacy Lennox uh, with us. How's it going, Stace? It's going really well. And you know what I love about this podcast? Me, you love well, me. Well, besides you, Michael, I love you. That's that's true. But um, no, now when people are talking to me about the podcast on Facebook and other places, they actually refer to me as the Gypsy, and I think that's hysterical. It's but see, that's how nicknames happen. That's how <laughs> a good nickname is born. You can't give yourself. I, I used to play uh, in this card game a million years ago in Columbus, Ohio. A great Monday night poker game. And this dude, God bless him, tried to give himself the, the nickname of the Gooch. He wanted everybody to call him the Gooch. And I'm like, dude, you're not allowed to do that. So we nicknamed him instead the Couch. <laughs> and and that one, one stuck. stuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, I think Liberty Gypsy's pretty sweet. I think you got very, very lucky there. I did. I did. And it, it, it does have a backstory, which comes up every once in a while. But, you know, hey, and I think it will actually have to be my Halloween costume for next year when I have enough time to put in it. Or if we're at, yeah. the, if we're at the CPAC, uh, the CPAC conference, as we do hope to be, uh, perhaps I will have to go in costume there. Oh, we're going. We're going. Oh, yeah. I don't think I don't know if you want to do any cosplay at CPAC. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a real big thing. Hi, I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm the Liberty Gypsy. Yeah, you just show up with body paint and a snow globe, and people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, it would make Steve Pack feel a little bit more like Politicon. You know, fun to know fact, that uh, Lady Liberty, the Statue of Liberty, was naked at, at one point in time. And when France was talking about giving us this big statue of a giant naked lady, uh, people were like, mm, that might be an issue. That might be a problem. But wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if Liberty just had a, you know, like uh, like the Justice, like Lady Justice. She's got boobs hanging out. Remember when they had, was it, who was it? It was like the head of the FBI or something was doing a uh, a press conference and people said they were offended by the titties on the statue. Do you remember that? I don't remember that, but that statue's been around forever. Yes, yes, it's it's Lady Justice wearing the blindfold and holding the scales, and people complain to like CNN or C-SPAN, like that's I shouldn't have to see that, and I'm and I'm just like, wow, do we still live in a society where people are upset by uh, statue boobs? I mean, it's it's a statue for crying out loud. Well, and that's kind of really an interesting segue into one of the things we wanted to talk about today: just people being angry about everything. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it where people are acting as if Donald Trump has been making life or death decisions for the past month and a half. Like like he's already the sitting president. He's already declared war. He's already are, – is that what the, the sense you're getting? Is that where you were going? Well, that's kind of where I was going, but I was also going to like the dump Star Wars and – the Kellogg's boycott, and you know, oh, I just we, I'm that, find, that's a I'm whole segment. Myself just completely incapable of the level of outrage that's now required. 
And it's you know what? Let's just let's we'll we'll go with that, and then then we'll go back to the Trump confirmations and how he's already uh, taking a giant dump on the Constitution, according to every single mainstream media news outlet. But the dump Star Wars thing that was uh the other night that hashtag started trending, mm-hmm. and it had Star Wars in the name. So of course I went and started lurking because I thought well there's going to be some really funny memes. There's going to be at least a brief description or a discussion of Star Wars, and not a lot of whole a whole lot of Star Wars talk. Some idiot, I don't know, I don't know who the the goofball was that decided, oh, we're all going to boycott Star Wars, and I'm like, what a waste of effort, right? Right. I, I mean, well, I guess what happened was that now they're saying that the movie has been edited and reshot to be a slam to Donald Trump and the. Um, there was some comment by one of the writers that, you know, the empire was always about white power or something like that. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> we've reached peak ridiculousness now. It has. Just, like, Star Wars has always been anti-tyranny, right? The empire was always the one that was trying to, you know, control everything and keep people in line and exercise, you know, this galactic power that they had. And the rebels and the people, and you know, that were fighting all of that were always seemed to be more like freedom fighter kind of folks. Yeah. So I, it's I don't too know funny. where this whole thing is coming from from the crew that wrote, but it's it it's ridiculous. Well, I know there was I know there was reshoots. I think they tested the movie and the ending didn't work well. So the, I know they 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 reshot stuff. Uh, it, the Star Wars is a classic myth. If you know anything about Joseph Campbell, it is a classic myth. And when you start putting modern-day politics into a classic myth, it's always going to backfire. It's always going to backfire, which George Lucas did. Uh, remember when he started the the franchise over again with young Anakin Skywalker, who was destined to become Darth Vader? There was a – yeah, uh, George Lucas, who I'm pretty sure is a Democrat, he named one of the evil – there was like this evil – and it was really like a stereotypical like uh, Japanese voice. And that's where they got into a lot of trouble. The evil banking empire. We will use the blockade. But the the lead bad guy from the the banking clan, uh, his character's name was Newt Gunray, which was a big slam on Ronald Reagan. Right. So uh, yeah, because I guess I guess George Lucas was mad that they called. Remember the Strategic Defense Initiative (SDI) and then they they nicknamed it Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I guess George Lucas was so pissed off about that. He's like, "All right, so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to name a character Ronald Reagan." And they're like, "Well, you can't do that." And he's like, "What if I called him like Newt for Newt Rockney and then I transpose Reagan into Gunray?" They're like, "Okay, okay, you can do that." You could do that. You could do that. But I mean, we've talked a little bit on the show between the different um, ideologies, if you will, between Star Trek and Star Wars. You know, Star Trek being a lot more socialist and people don't work. So Captain Kirk has the time to go get like laid all the time and stuff like that, whereas Star Wars is a little bit different. But, um, you know, if you take a look at it, I mean, the rebels aren't these like peace loving, wonderful, you know, flower children. Um, they blew up the entire Death Star. <laughs> well, that's – yeah, exactly. Like if you look at it, and this is a discussion that I love to have, and I, and I will have it till the cows come home. Like, the, like first of all, the Empire's winning, right? It's not like you blow up the Death Star and the Empire's like, uh, well, that's it. I guess they took away – that would be like America quitting after Pearl Harbor. 
Right. <laughs> well, I, I guess they took out a bunch of our ships. We should just call it a day and give up on democracy. So uh, sad news for all the people who think that the empire is just uh, a representative of what? What we call it, like white supremacists or, or Republicans or conservatives. They're I winning. I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> yeah, they're winning. They've got the whole galaxy. And congratulations, you wacky doodle rebel terrorists. How many innocent lives did they take when they blew up the Death Star? How many tens of thousands of just innocent people who they they were on some shithole planet? <laughs> and they're like, I guess I'll join the Empire. At least I'll get a place to sleep and three square meals. What? Luke Skywalker's going to blow me up. Yeah, so those people are dead now. Congratulations, Rebel Alliance guys. I'm still going to see the movie. Oh, me too. I can't yeah, I can't absolutely. boycott all of these things. I can't no, and it's like you, know, you were I, saying I, it you were saying it weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Like keep your politics out of the products. Just just don't do it. It's not a good idea. Sell me your delicious breakfast cereal because that's a whole batch of lies, the most important meal of the day. Like that's <laughs> we all know that's like straight up propaganda. But at least stick with that propaganda and don't be like uh, Kellogg's believes in hope and change. Now you're just going to make me mad. And Pepsi, like I already I'm not a Pepsi guy. I'm a Diet Coke guy. But like just keep it out of politics. I can't I, I got I got a list as long as my arm of places I'm supposed to boycott. I'm not that I'm not that um, detail oriented to start with. You know, I've been supposedly boycotting Target after the whole bathroom thing. I'm sorry. I think of some. Oh, Target has nice ones of those. There I go into the parking lot, into the store. I just, I don't have the energy, I guess. And here's the other thing I would say, right? Um, Why, after winning, do you pick up the weapons of the party that lost and start using them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing that just boggles my mind. You know what we're going to do, Stacey? We're going to wrap ourselves up in the American flag, and we're going to wrap ourselves up in the freedom of speech, and then we're going to start complaining about what other people are saying. Well, not just that, but, I mean, if you take a look at it, for eight years, eight years, every time I disagreed with a policy of Barack Obama or something the administration was doing, I was a racist. I was a racist. It had nothing to do with, no, I just think that's a bad idea. I wouldn't care who was saying it, right? The more the right decides to pick up those balls and start playing with them, right, the more people aren't going to be outraged when they actually should be. Yeah. I'm not outraged by being called a racist by a progressive anymore. I can't be. It's ridiculous on its face. And it's a waste of a good boycott. You're not going to have any left when there's something really wrong. I exactly, exactly. And that's what's going on right now with the the left and their and their criticisms of of Donald Trump. It just like they are they are uh, it's like chicken little. They've been saying the sky is falling for the last year and a half. Here comes Hitler. Here comes Hitler and some weird, perverted uh, Christmas carol. Here comes Hitler. Here comes Hitler right down Donald Trump way. <laughs> and pretty soon Hitler's going to show up and we're like, oh, yeah, that's that stuff they say about Donald Trump, blah, blah, blah. Well, and I mean, they, they, that's kind of what we were saying during the whole campaign. I mean, if you call Mitt Romney and John McCain and these other people, you know, Hitler, which they did, um, you know, misogynist because Mitt Romney had a binder of 
potential female candidates for his administration, and somehow that was sexist. I, He's I got still a binder full of women. He's got a, a binder, binder full of women. Yeah, okay. It, it was for jobs that they were qualified for, and everybody just lost their mind. So when they started losing their mind this election cycle, people stopped listening. Well, they stopped listening, and finally we had a candidate who, who did what we wanted Mitt Romney to do. Like when Ro- Mitt Romney behaved like a, like a puppy, and they're like, you've got a binder full of women? And he's like, uh, uh, no, well, what I meant to say was, uh, uh, and what he should have done was like, yeah, I got to buy, I got to look at all these great women I got in here. And this girl's going to be that. And this lady's going to do that. And just how dare you like go back on the offense. And that's what, that's what people, I believe that's what I know. That's what I responded to with Donald Trump. You know, when, when Harry Reid did his little, uh, Harry Reid, which is one of the nastiest things, and I never want to forget that he did it when he's like made Mitt Romney's uh, taxes an issue. And then later on when he commented on it, he's like, it worked, didn't it? It worked. He didn't get elected like like he loved that. He did a dirty little trick like that, which just makes Harry Reid uh, the queen queen douchebag of all time. Uh, I love you know who when, had his farewell speech this week. Oh, hold on. I loved it when. When Hillary Clinton came after uh, Trump in that second debate, and she's like, and you didn't pay taxes. And he goes, that's right. I used your system. I'd be an idiot if I did it. And that was just like fantastic. And, I, and, and it's where you're standing up in your living room just cheering that, that he took her biggest weapon and turned it right back on her. And that's what people wanted Mitt Romney to do. But he didn't have a backbone. He was like a little puppy. You were saying. Oh, Harry Reid had his farewell speech this week. Oh, did he really? Yes. Did he really? What was yeah. he saying? I can't – I really – I there's there's few people that uh, I can't stand. Harry Reid, I'm just so tired of that guy. He's just so predictable and boring and awful and just bleh. He lies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's just Straight a up. liar. He's an environmental nightmare. He's doing really shady land deals in Vegas and buying up and – Oh, so uh, what did he say in his farewell speech? Oh, just about all the progress they had made. And I think Hillary came out of hiding to be present at his speech and thank him for all of his service. And um, yeah, it was great. I basically he he, tweet, he tweeted out, watch my farewell speech here on video. First, I'd rather watch paint dry. Um, and second, hey, Harry, bye, hon. Watch yeah. out, Red Mills. Watch yeah. out. <laughs> he's know. got a really he's got a really we did a thing. On the Flipside TV show, and I should bring it back. I, I should totally bring it back. Like the Hall of Fame of mo- the most corrupt politicians. And it's too funny. When I was doing this Hall of Fame corrupt politician show, whenever something happens to a Republican, they always uh, just tap out. They retire from politics. They're like, yikes, this is a scandal. I got to get out of here. Where Democrats just continue merrily on. As if nothing happened like Charlie Rangel, like Charlie Rangel gets called in front of Congress and they're like, dude, you're a criminal. And he's like, I will not sit idly by and let you say these things and slander my name. And he leaves. He just walks out and he's like continued to be held uh, upon a pedestal as one of the great one of the great leaders of our time. Same thing with Harry Reid. That guy is just dirty. There's no way that was a treadmill. There's no way he slipped on a treadmill. That was Butch and Rocco paying him a little visit and just smashing his face in like this last envelope was light. The last 
It was some good fellas acting. Light. No, you got to pay off Fat Tonya. You don't get to continue on. Yeah, but Harry Reid did give us a gift. What was the gift? When the Republicans were not so fond of some of Barack Obama's midterm appointments, etc., Harry Reid took what was called the nuclear option and implemented it. So now Democrats, who are having all kinds of heart attacks about all of these various nominees Donald Trump has put up, um, have no tools with which to stop them. All it requires is a simple majority vote, and there are 52 Republicans. It's so short-sighted and stupid. You always have to assume, and I'm, I'm like a political newbie, but you always have to assume that pendulum is going to swing back super fast. The karma wheel comes spinning around. That's what happens when you have checks and balance. So whatever little rule you bend or break, to help you out today is going to bite you in your ass in four oh, years. Absolutely, <laughs> and they are they are getting bitten right now. Well, and I actually heard another another interesting um, thought process, and I can't even remember who said it now. But Donald Trump's current nominees go so far across the spectrum that you're going to have different coalitions being upset with different individuals and the democrats are going to have a they're going to be fighting a war on so many fronts because of the way they segment the population and segment their issues that there's no way they're going to be successful (laughs) well that's what happens when you play identity politics like i really I, i think the democrats they don't have that big of a problem however they they keep it's it's exactly what we're talking about with the star wars thing it's exactly that this group of Republicans are supposed to be upset about Walmart. You guys boycott that. You guys get upset about Star Wars and boycott. You guys get upset about Pepsi, and that's what the Democrats have tried to do. Hey, you, the the, the African Americans in the inner city, you guys need to get upset about this, and, and you uh, tree huggers, you need to be upset about this EPA thing, and the, you're just diluting your message. You're diluting your base. And I think that's ultimately what they did. They had to serve too many different constituencies and forgot about the largest pieces of the population that don't fit into any of those. Yeah. Well, I know this. I'll just put a I'll just put a pin in the Star Wars thing. There's no way I'm boycotting Star Wars. I mean, they would literally they would literally have to have Donald Trump in the movie uh, like killing a kid to for me to get upset. And even then I'd be like, it's just a movie, kid. And then I'm like, wow, Donald Trump can use a lightsaber because I have to think he'd be like on the dark side. Uh, <laughs> but either, then I'd be kind of happy he was in it. And then I'd be bummed that I wasn't in it. And I'm like, what do you got to do to get into a Star Wars movie? But, yeah, that's a that's a losing proposition, asking people to boycott Star Wars. People no, are I, already upset. Up, they're just upset about everything. They're upset about everything. But, I mean, it's going to be so nonproductive to keep that up for any period of time. Oh yeah, it's it's just a waste. It's yeah. here's what I see happening. Here's what I see happening uh, on the Twitter. When I go on to to Flipside Loftus and I get on the Twitter, there's people who got a boatload of followers and they increased their uh, their voice. I guess you would say it on Twitter mm-hmm. right before the election, and now that's gone. And now there's no. Hey, it's us versus them. They have to like continue. The, they have to continue fighting against something, and and now they're just they're going at windmills. 
They're just going at windmills. Trying to boycott Star Wars is classic Don Quixote, let's attack this windmill. Just to just to stay relevant, just to try to stay relevant, and it, it makes me sad for them. Like well, that's, it, I your, actually Twitter, get, your Twitter persona shouldn't define you. Well, I actually get frustrated because it is picking up the weapons of the left, and all it makes me want to do, seriously, is have a Pop-Tart, go see Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, give me the list of things you're boycotting, and I'll go do them all just because I'm contrary like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab a Pop-Tart. Yep. I'm going to get an ice cold Pepsi. I'm going to go dress up as a woman and take a big dump in Target. <laughs> yep. and, and, and I'm going to drive to Target in my car with VIN number that starts with three because it was made in Mexico. Oh, and thing? then uh, when I put it out there that I, I was going to eat a Pop-Tart, go see Star Wars twice, people were tweeting me, oh, and then make sure you have a large Pepsi and go there in your your car that was you know assembled in Mexico. I mean, there were just lists and lists of stuff all of a sudden that I had to include in my you know list of things I was doing just to be contrary, which I found hysterical. I am now I just want to be abundantly clear here and let all our listeners know I am down with the righteous boycott. I mean, if something is really, really wrong, I will boycott the heck out of it. I'm not afraid of a boycott, but let's just not waste them, right? You only you only get so many boycott bullets in the chamber, and I'm not, I'm not going to waste a bunch of bullets on uh, Pepsi and uh, Star Wars and for anything that just gets my panties in a twist. Well, and you can't boycott certain things. I mean... When the CEO of Chick-fil-A came out and, you know, gave his views on gay marriage, which are his views. Okay. Um, you know, all of a sudden, every college campus was supposed to remove Chick-fil-A. You know what's never going to happen? College are never going to stop eating Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I actually worked in food service on college campuses at the time, and we made more money in Chick-fil-A while they were boycotting it. Isn't Chick-fil-A kind of expensive? No. Really? Really? No. Oh, there's a Chick-fil-A in New York now, I think. I wish there was. I wish there was no, a Chick-fil-A Bill by me. He didn't want him there. He was saying people should boycott it when they came in because of what the CEO said back in 2014. I think there's one down in Manhattan. Well, I, I'll go. Oh, I'm not yeah. going to go. You're not going to go on a Sunday. That's for darn sure. Although they hey, will I open on Sunday to help like flood relief victims. That was beautiful. Yeah, no. I love that they're closed on Sunday. I think it's awesome. Holy smoke. I just had a window pop up. I've got 99 new notifications on Facebook. I want to apologize to everybody. I haven't been on my personal Facebook in a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time. I've been busy. I've been busy boycotting Kellogg's Pepsi, Star Wars, and uh, all things and Target and all those other things. Okay, so we got to move on here. Let's talk about this Russian hack. This is this is what everybody's talking about, Stacy. The Russian hack. They're they're affecting our democracy. You know, if here's how I'm I'm personally looking at it. Okay. If in the intelligence community there is some credible idea that there is a link between the hack of the DNC and Russian intelligence, then we probably ought to look into that because it's probably not the only place they hacked. To say that Russia hacked our election, um, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. Well, that's, um, where, that's where I land as well. 
if this was like the KGB, I don't know what the Russian intelligence network is called now. I'm, I'm horribly out of step. If they said, hey, let's go after, let's get some dirt on the Democrats, which I can totally see them. I can totally see them doing it. I can see the Russians doing it. I can see the Chinese doing it. But you'd want every you'd, you'd want dirt on every politician. Like, let's see. Let's see who we could maybe uh, bribe. Let's see who we could get some leverage on who, who we can blackmail. I, I've WikiLeaks has posted where they got in from. It was it, it was from John Podesta. Right. Right. John Podesta didn't change his password. He got fished, and and there you have it. So beyond beyond Russia, just showing the world what the Democratic National Committee was up to and their shenanigans. So that's how that's how they uh, that's how they changed the election. I guess that's what you're saying. Well, I mean, to some degree, but at some point, what Democrats have to look squarely in the face is they put up what was possibly the worst retail candidate in national politics before she had email problems. Oh, before well, that, yeah. WikiLeaks. That's, that's, before, the next, I mean, that's the next subject. <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, that's what you see all these these, these people, the, the talking heads on the shows going, Russia influenced our election. They So they influenced the election by doing the job of journalists? Well, not only okay, so maybe Julian Assange, you know, is more favorable towards Russia than he is to the United States. Maybe there was some communication there. We know where the information came from. We know John Podesta clicked a phishing email. Um, you know, I guess my whole thing is you couldn't have influenced the election the way you did. If your party and your candidate weren't so freaking corrupt to begin with. Exactly. That's that's and that's where the conversation that's where the conversation on CNN and Fox News and MSNBC never goes. They're like Russia influenced the election. Russia. And then they, they just keep they stick on that. Oh, they influenced it. They did it. We got to do it. Now there there's some morons calling for a do over, which is like hardy Not har har. Yeah. Good luck with that, Junior. I, mean, I can't even remember now with Jill Stein's recount because we kind of thought the whole thing was over. Um, but then I guess they were doing it in Michigan, I think. I don't know. They know. were doing it in Michigan, and they were actually finding more votes for Trump than they originally yeah. found. Yeah, he picked up a bunch of votes. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, what, I mean, that's what I went on a Twitter tirade the other night, just a series of tweets. So so Russia went back and convinced Hillary Clinton to sell them uranium, and they had a deal with her, and then they double-crossed her to get uh, Trump president. Uh, Hillary – they went back. Uh, Russia did, and they convinced Hillary Clinton to uh, blame Benghazi on a video. Uh, they went. Russia went back, and they convinced Hillary Clinton to open up the Clinton Foundation and take money from all these foreign countries in uh, you know pay for play scenarios. Yes, yes. Russia convinced Hillary Clinton and uh, and Debbie Wasserman Schultz to throw Bernie Sanders under the bus. Like it, all of this, this horrible. All it did, WikiLeaks, was show us what was going on behind the curtain. And all it did was just confirm it. Like, everybody thought it, but no one had proof. Russia gave us proof. And it's just like I said when Marco Rubio was like, hey, before you guys start wrapping yourselves up in WikiLeaks, let's remember, it might be the Republicans who are next. 
And I'm like, yeah, so don't do nefarious stuff. Why don't you be (laughs) – tell the truth. Don't lie. That's the big takeaway. Don't lie. And, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't believe WikiLeaks' intention was to be disruptive because I absolutely believe it was. Yeah. Um, And I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't believe that organization or some intelligence organization, be it Russia, China, whatever, doesn't have the same dirt on the Republicans and doesn't have some dirt on Donald Trump. They absolutely do. Um, So, I mean, I think when you take a look at the big picture – there, the left's failure to own what was actually going on is what makes people even less inclined to listen to the mainstream media, to listen to what's coming out of the DNC. You know, you're talking about nominating Keith Ellison, who is just an ugh, terrible. Well, that's you're you're making my very point. Like, and we were talking know. about just a few minutes ago. If WikiLeaks had a bunch of dirt on the Republicans and it came out, they would quit. They would go away. That's how conservatives roll. There, there is baked in honor and an expectation of honesty with conservatives and Republicans, right? They I would, would, I would it, it wouldn't last for a minute. Too. If you're on the right oh, side of the spectrum, yeah, you have, a, you have a certain expectation of integrity. Yes, because we put uh, the responsibility on the individual. Like as as a libertarian, as someone who's right of the issue is like, no, I have more faith in people than I do in government. So when a person messes up, that person will like, you know what? I screwed up. I'm going to bow out of this. That's why that's why WikiLeaks really stung the Democrats, because it was systematic. I, I still can't get over the the the, the, the casual, uh, the laissez faire attitude when the WikiLeaks emails were coming out like, hey, how do we start a revolution in the Catholic Church? I mean, that was just. That was unbelievable. Well, it was I, certainly very, um, shall we say, arrogant, to say the least. Yeah. Um, you know, but the other thing you take a look at, I mean, Donna Brazil giving, you know, Hillary Clinton debate questions and other things. I mean, Donna Brazil's Twitter account is hysterical now. If you haven't looked at it, you should go look at it. I have her, to. Her Abby is her dogs. <laughs> It's like she doesn't even have a picture of herself on there anymore, and she's just tweeting, like, inspirational sayings. <laughs> I, I tell you what. Somebody made a meme, and it's like Donna Brazil pointing at a brick wall, and the meme was, and this is where the Russians came in and stole my email machine <laughs> and made it look like I gave debate questions. <laughs> it's just – it was hilarious. Yeah. It was hilarious. I just – you know, when you look at what has traditionally been, and I know you say you don't think the Democrats have problems. Um, I think they're maybe not as public as the problems with the Republicans. But when you look at the absolute lack of a bench they have to assume the position of DNC chair with any credibility, okay? Um, when uh. you look at when you look at beside your besides your prediction that it'll be Michelle Obama twenty twenty. Yes. Um, when you look at the bench they have available, people are actually thinking 78-year-old Joe Biden is an option in 2020. Yeah, that's that's just crazy talk. And when I say they don't have problems, they have they have specific problems in the moment, but as a party, they have no problem whatsoever. They still own the mainstream media, they still own uh pop culture, they still own you know, music and movies and all that stuff. And everyone, every person on the planet 
goes through a phase where they're like, well, let's just help our fellow man. What's wrong? What's wrong about we all chip in and help our fellow man? And so you've got that. that that's that's where I'm saying the Republican or the, the Democrats don't have a problem. There's always going to be people eager to sign up for the uh, let's turn the world into Shangri-La. And if we just uh, if we just taxed the rich people more, then it would all work perfectly. Like, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not even kidding. And I think it was uh, I can't remember the name of the philosopher. I want to say Goethe or whatever that liberty you have to you have to make a solid case for liberty and freedom every generation. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if you look at it, if you look at most of our history, and I'll say this out loud because it's infecting both sides of the political spectrum at this point. What is popular, i.e. populism, is generally really bad for liberty. (laughs) Really? Oh, absolutely. It was a populist progressive movement that made the Senate become directly elected by the people. That was an awful idea. Yeah. It was a populist movement that gave us the New Deal. Well, that's uh yeah, that's a screwy, screwy thing. I'd have to go I'd have to go back and look at the New Deal. But I've I've seen some uh economists talk about that and and there's there's a lot going on there. Well, I mean here's it's, what I know. It's, the great society from you know the great society then the new deal it really set the stage for the entire welfare state we have now yeah i mean it's and it's really it's really easy and i'm uh, i don't want to mince words but you can go back and you can you can paint with a, a broad brush but like what like what the romans did you could say that was a populist ideal but they were like the very first you know welfare state they did it to make they did it to make the populace happy right but i don't know if that's a populist i don't know i don't i'm and i feel i feel like i'm in a, a webster's dictionary and i <laughs> and like how was the show last week oh it was great they sat and they defined the word populism for about 20 minutes i apologize no, no. for that but here's what i know about these things like the new deal and social security and medicare and medicaid and this is what i've learned from being a an armchair student of history and the roman empire as a once you give these giant gifts to the masses to keep them happy, you can never take them away. Yep. And and once you do, the, the only way to take them away is to have a complete and total breakdown. You know, when when you literally just have your leader come up in front of everybody and go, "Listen, we are uh, we're out of money. We're done. We can't uh, we can't pay the army anymore, and there's not going to be any more police. I don't want it to come to that. And I know that like with it's it's wonderful intentions for for uh, uh, Donald Trump to say he wants to repeal and replace Obamacare and we're going to let this happen. But I I don't know how they're going to do that. I really don't know how they're going to do it other than like you could buy insurance like you buy car insurance. Like, you know, if a company across state lines, maybe that'll help. But I tell you what, that mandate's going to stick in there. That the, the And that's the part I hate about it. That's the part I hate. You have to buy a product you do not need. That's well, really I, I think bad. I think, too, if you loosen some of the restrictions about what kinds of policies can be out there, the insurance policy I need for medical is different than what the insurance policy for 25 year old, you know, new professional needs. And if you right now, there's so many restrictions and requirements about what has to be included in a plan, even if I don't need it. <laughs> And it makes it more expensive for me. I wouldn't if if the plans were a lot more flexible. 
maybe I could see my way to saying, you know, you get a tax credit for having one or something like that. But yeah, the mandate drives me nuts and ensuring your kids till they're 26 drives me nuts and a whole bunch of stuff about it drives me nuts at this point. Well, see, that's, and that's I, what I thought the mandate I, was all about. I thought the mandate was all about like like some kid who's uh, like uh, 22 who doesn't need insurance has to buy insurance. Like well, when you're they, 26, when you're 26, 27, that's when things start to break down, right? You're at that. <laughs> that's the that's the magic number right around age 30. Like right those years leading up to you, things start popping that aren't supposed to pop. You get up and your knee starts clicking and you're like, oh, that's going to be a problem soon. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the, you do have to insure your children until they're 26 now. So the the idea that you have to buy it um, is, is delayed. But here's the thing I actually love. Some of these young socialist millennials who truly believe they want to do nothing but give, give, give and tax the rich and we all need to pitch in have made what I like to call a lovely free market decision by saying, you know what? I don't need this and the tax is less. <laughs> so oh, I'm yeah. not going to buy it. And they're half the reason the program is failing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, wait great. a minute. Buying in is going to cost me three hundred dollars uh, a month, but if I don't get it, then I just pay a penalty of seventy dollars at the end of the year. Yeah, I'll take the penalty. Exactly, but I mean, you have to think about these are the ones that are voting for Hillary Clinton and loved Bernie Sanders and the most basic redistribution program in the country that they're mandated to participate in. They don't. I think because that's delicious irony. Because they don't know basic civics. <laughs> That's really what it is. It's all, It's like all these people talking about the popular vote, the popular vote, the popular vote. And like, hey, guy, it's it's a constitutional republic and there's a thing called the Electoral College and this. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. She got more votes. But if you just take, one I saw. If you just take best... Los Angeles County out of the mix, <laughs> Trump wins the popular vote. <laughs> the um... – the best one I saw is now they're complaining that they also won the popular vote in the Senate. What? I swear to God, this was the most backwards thing. This was all over Twitter a couple days ago. We won the popular vote in the presidential election and the Senate election. I'm like, what? How yeah, because it's, how do the, you national, popular it's vote the national the Senate? Senate vote. I, I, guys, the Senate, <laughs> what? But that's how desperate they are. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put this little uh, pin in the whole Russian hack thing and just be on the record. I just want to be on the record for this. If if Russia was somehow breaking into our voting machines and changing the actual vote, or was changing the 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 count of the vote, holy smoke, I'd be freaking out. I yep. would be losing. My mind. However, uh, it seems like they were engaging in a propaganda war. And and what? I'm shocked, shocked that Russia would be in, engaged in a propaganda war. What? We're we're outraged now. Like, do we do we ever think they stopped? Do we ever think they, they stopped? Putin no. used to be the the head honcho over at the KGB. I don't uh, I don't think he's ever going to stop promoting uh, himself. But here's what I want to know. Why did they want Trump? Let's say it's true. Let's just take that little magical leap. They they think they're going to get better deals out of Trump than they were going to get out of Hillary? I honestly think so because, yes, he has been more um, open to the idea 
of collaboration with Russia throughout the primary. I mean, remember when we talked about Rudy Giuliani being the Secretary of State, and you're like, that's no big deal because he's really just the bag boy for the president. Yeah. You know, he just yeah. goes and executes as well. A lot of things that Hillary did in Russia, if you go back and research them, were Obama's ideas. They were not hers, and she did not necessarily agree. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, there, she has never. I, there's actually article upon article from earlier in the primary about why she and Putin really don't like each other. Well, they got Trump. They yeah, got they it. Did. And the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So <laughs> thanks, Russia. I appreciate the WikiLeaks. That was awesome. And here's the thing. To this day, you've never heard a Democrat come out and say that's false, That's that those are fake, those are lies. WikiLeaks still has a 100% accuracy uh, rate. And let's not forget what heroes WikiLeaks were during the Iraq War, when they were heroes and they were the Robin Hoods of journalism. And all everyone on the left said, oh, they're fantastic. They weren't backed by Russia back then. No, back then it was just a, a glorious albino freedom fighter named Julian Assange. Well, the truth is always going to bother the people that don't want other people to know it. Dun, dun, dun. That is correct. Mm-hmm. All right. So Russia, uh, thanks, I guess, because uh, I wanted Trump to win. And, and thanks for giving me the peek into the reality of the Democratic National Committee. OK, fake news. Everybody's freaking out about fake news. <sighs> fake news. I need a I need a better definition of fake news, I guess. That's what I'm saying too. We're here. Yeah. Welcome to the big book of the same page. Here's I'm saying we should we should wage a war on distorted news. That's my thing. Distorted news. Distorted news is a good way. Here here's my thing. I would like to wage a war on making adults into infants. <laughs> what do you mean? Um if I click on it, let, let's just do this. So I was in a Facebook group and somebody drops this thing about a, 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 a goodly number of states coming together in a pit bull band. And, and there were 807,000 pit bulls nationwide that were going to have to be shoved into these seven remaining states that didn't join in the band. I'm like, well, wow, I know a lot of cities and things do that. But if that's real, I'm, that's that's awful. I don't believe the government should be able to do that. Um, I go out and I look. There's not another story. The Facebook account they they reference doesn't exist. They don't have a website. I'm like, okay, this was this was clickbait. When you're an adult and you see something that is too crazy or insane to be true, you go looking for some validation that it's actually true. That's called adulting. That's called being an adult. Yeah. And what the mainstream media and others who are calling for, we have to be curators and we need to do a better job about fake news are saying is that adults are not capable of doing that. I think I think it was Media Matters this morning. Uh, for yes. some reason, I can't stop. I, I know. I know. I know. It's like getting a lousy cup of coffee at a restaurant. And then you go back and you're like, I, it's not going to be lousy again. And you get a cup of coffee and it's lousy. And then you, it's like, that's how I feel about that show, Media Matters. There was someone on there, it was either Media Matters or the show right after it, talking about, here's what we need to start doing. We need to start suing the people who uh, uh, forward the link. The people who. What? Yeah. This guy was like really proposing uh- that. 
Now, and, and I'm saying it was like it was like a dude on the left. And I'm like, oh, wow. So you're going to you're going to you're going to sue your way uh, out of freedom of speech. And I remember when Donald Trump, when he was running for president, was like, I think that that if if the New York Times or a newspaper is just printing an absolute lie about me, I should be able to sue them. And everybody is like, there goes freedom of speech. There goes the First Amendment. I told you he was Hitler. And then you've well, got this this talking head liberal going, yeah, if you promote fake news, if you accidentally uh, click like on fake news, they want to be able to come at you and sue you. Well, see, here's the great thing about freedom of speech in general. There's a few limits on it. I'm getting the craziest echo right now. It's wonderful. Mm, sorry. Oh, it stopped. I was really loving it. <laughs> it was like we were both in this like like a tunnel made out of glass and it's a wonderful 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 it was very uh it was very um oh gosh what's the pride of the yankees today 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 i am 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 the luckiest <laughs> man 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 the face of the planet 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 so yeah there is there are are libel i'm uh, this whole witch hunt for fake news this whole and I, and i tell you what and i'm going to here's i'm going to take a, a step here into the unknown but the whole pizzagate thing Ugh. I'm sorry. Now, now hold the phone. Hold the phones, uh, uh, Liberty Gypsy. Mm-hmm. Have you seen some of the emails going back and forth between John Podesta and some other people? I saw some of the emails, but there was so little context around them. And then when it got to like seriously harassing and threatening business owners, three, in fact, who voted for Donald Trump, um, it just it went way off the rails. Way it is it, it is way off the rails. Yes, mm-hmm. and people people with AR-15s going into pizza places. No, 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 no. However, when you look at some of these emails between Podesta and some of these other people, that is code. They, are, in my opinion, in my opinion, they are talking in code. Something's going on there. I don't know what it is, but it ain't good. Nobody uses code like that. I know a guy uh, who many, many years ago uh, was involved in some uh, nefarious dealings, not of the legal sort. And when he was on the phone, is it snowing at your house? Because it's not snowing here, and I really hoped it would snow here. And they, they thought they were, like, outwitting the, the police in case the line was tapped, right? People who are, yeah, people who are trying. Uh, Gee, oh, Michael, what were they talking about? I have no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> where you, it's, oh, yeah, that'll be a real head scratcher for the police. Oh, snow? Is it snowing at your house? If so, I'd like to see some snow, right? That's the kind of stuff going on in these Podesta emails. That was very good pizza the other night. I really like pizza. We should have pizza again maybe in two weeks. Like that kind of thing. It really gives me the creeps. It really gives me the creeps. And while I don't want people running around with uh, with AR-15s breaking into family-owned pizza joints or, or any place of business – the people who are who are looking into this, I'm like, keep going, keep going, because something weird is going on there. Yeah, I just, I guess, I would hope that they've made too much of what pizza might be. Well, I don't know. We will see. 
but it just it gives you the creeps. You just have that. Ugh. And I don't think, of course, our right. our legal system is not based on something <laughs> giving you the creeps. Right. But, but if I mean, it was, okay, if this was if this was a, an episode of a, a TV cop show, you'd be like, "Ooh, that guy's dirty or something." He did something. If this was a if this was an L.A. law or or a law and order, you'd be like, "Dung dung." Podesta household, 2 a.m. Right? You'd be like, let's go to the next part of the show. Uh, well, I think we are rolling up on the time of the part of the show where we might want to start uh, wrapping things up a little bit. We got about 10 minutes left. And I How know does it we go so to, fast? Because uh, we're having fun. But I know we at least wanted to mention my best news of the week that I found. Yes. By and all means. Rice. And the vampire series may be coming to television. Uh, well, like Netflix, right? Is she doing a deal no, with Netflix or is she just shopping it around? It seems like they're just shopping the idea right now. I hope to God it comes to Netflix. I mean, that would be some serious production value. The, the stuff they're putting up on Netflix is just fantastic. So you're um, an Anne Rice fan, yeah? Oh, my God, yes. Seen Me too. All the vampire movies, read all the books. I even read the books that she wrote that were not part of the vampire series. The one where the 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 New Orleans ones, where it was the ghost uh, Lasher, I think it was. Yep, yep. Well, that was yep, those ones. That those, was fantastic. The, the witching series. I also yeah, read yeah, yeah. about the Castrati in Europe, and then there was another one that she wrote about the uh, mulatto culture down in New Orleans as well. That was fantastic historical fiction. She's Did a very read, smart lady. Did you read the uh, the one about Jesus, young Jesus? I did not read that one. That one was great. Really? That, oh my god! I goodness. have to go get it. Yeah, when because uh, well, here's the deal. I, I write for television. One of the things that I well, I've got the the flip side television show. We've got theloftestparty.com, and then uh, my day job right now is is writing for a television show. So as a writer, here's here's what happens. You get, and this is happening to me, well, whatever, I can't go into that. However, as a writer, uh, outside forces come in and they go, we don't like this, we don't like that, more of this, less of that. And it's very and it's very frustrating. And that's what Anne Rice went through with Interview with a Vampire that really put her on the map and all that other stuff. Once she started working without an editor, you reach, and the same thing happened to Stephen King. He's like, you right. know what? You don't, nobody edits me anymore. Nobody edits me. It's going to be my work the way I intend it. Boy, oh boy, uh, I, I her books. It was like it was like walking through mud trying to get through. Like I get it. Like these huge descriptions of the trees in New Orleans and the Gothic style and the way. Like she's talking about, and I think it was like the Witcher series or the Lasher or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's talking. They're they're like redoing a house in New Orleans, and I'm like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> like you're you're giving me this long recipe for plaster and the way it was made in 1722. I get it. Moving on. <laughs> Anne Rice, you need an editor. I'd, I'd be cool though if, if if her stuff went to uh, uh, in Netflix or Hulu. That'd be fun. I always thought that that was it was a great series of books. It yeah. Some of the stuff, like when uh, Lestat was like a rock and roll guy, yeah, I don't know so much about that. <laughs> but like the historical stuff is is was super fun. It's a great origin story. Hers, yeah. 
Hers is a great origin story with uh, those who must be kept. Yep. Yeah, that's good stuff. Here's a fun to know fact. Do you know, like back in the day, in the mid to late 90s, uh, when Anne Rice uh, was still living down in New Orleans, uh, I think she might have moved back, she was listed in the phone book. And you could call. Yeah, you could call information and ask this. uh, I knew a guy who did this. Uh, He was a huge fan of the books, and, and I was a fan of the books. And this guy was a comedian, and he got her number out of the phone book called her up, she answered, and he goes, I'm a huge fan, and she goes, well, what do you like? And they had, they were on the phone for an hour talking about the books, and just like if, and this is horrible because it ultimately, it cost him his life, John Lennon, whenever there was a huge super fan, like standing in front of his house or, or waiting to talk to him, he would always take the time to say hello and have a little conversation. Ultimately, he he talked to an assassin, and I don't think Anne Rice does it anymore because it became right. part of public knowledge. But yeah, I think that's so cool. You could just literally like call her up, and and she'd talk about the books. That's awesome, right? Right. Like, I, I would do that right now if she would have a conversation. <laughs> I tell you, I, who I want to talk to. I want to. The only way you're seriously right, you can't put that on network TV. I want to talk to the dude who wrote uh, Lonesome Dove. I don't know if I was talking about it last week or the week before or what, but uh, my buddy Jason Anarino turned me on to Lonesome Dove. He gave me the book, and he's like, read it, dude, read it. And, eh, you know, I, I very rarely does somebody, like, give me a book and go read it, and I, like, dive right in. As fate would have it, I was flying back from Los Angeles a couple weeks ago. I had nothing to read, so I'm like, eh, I guess I'll crack into Lonesome Dove. This is the best book I've read in ages, in absolute <laughs> ages. It's like the original, and it's like the original Game of Thrones. No one is safe. You don't know what's going to happen. I, it's it's now. I want to see the I want to see the miniseries with Robert Duvall. I can't, I can't wait. I'm gonna, I want that for Christmas. By the way, I want to. Oh, I wanna, okay. Yeah, I want the whole series on DVD. I am in on the whole Lonesome Dove thing. Yeah, well, we've been putting some other things that you know probably go on your list up on the up on the dose. We found the R two D two coffee press. They got good Star Wars stuff. They, they do. Good, found the the, uh, Darth, the Darth Vader toaster. Yeah, the uh, the uh, Death Star waffle maker. Good times. I can't believe you don't have some of this stuff. I don't have the room. I don't have the yeah. room. I need a uh, much bigger place. I think I a giant kitchen just for like stuff to cook Star Wars food with <laughs> the hot dog bun land speeder cooker thingy. Well, I think it might be time to tell the audience about Michael Topia. It might be. Oh, and it might be time. You still have time. If you want to support uh, the flip side television show and the Loftus party and all that good stuff, go to the Loftus Click on gear. And there is we got the coolest uh, shirts and 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 I tell you what shoulder bags it's pretty sweet. Pie, we got shot glasses, glasses. Shot glasses, yeah. It's stupid. So yeah, let's let's get into some Macotopias. I'm still mad at Tucker Carlson, by the way. I have not been able to watch his show since he pseudo ripped us off <laughs> with his King for the Day segment. Here's how my, here's how Michael Topia works. There are crazy rules and laws in the real world 
that do not apply in Michaeltopia. Because in Michaeltopia, we have our own set of rules and we have our own laws. And each week we add to that list. And, and Michaeltopia is awesome and it makes sense and everybody wants to live there. So let's, let's, uh, let's hit them with some Michaeltopias. What do you say, Stacey? Absolutely. What you got? In Michaeltopia, when I am paying for service on the interwebs to help me with my business and it is not working appropriately, you owe me money back. Here, here. <laughs> here, here. I've always said this. You, you do not get to ask me to do 25 different things to try to see if your tool is interacting with something else in the interwebs. Um, you need to fix the problem and pay me <laughs> For the for time I lost. Work. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've always, like, it should work like utilities. Like, if my lights don't work, if the electricity is out, I don't get charged for that electricity because I didn't have it. Right? And the same thing should go for cable and satellite. If I was unable to watch my television because your service failed, I don't get charged. Same thing with the internet. Absolutely. That one goes... That should go in the uh, the stone tablets of Michaeltopia. <laughs> the top ten. Yes, the the Mount Sinai of, uh, of Michaeltopia. <laughs> Some of these Michaeltopias are a little bit sillier than others. My Michaeltopia is this: no more cars for Christmas commercials. They, I hate these commercials where the rich person is like making their list to Santa Claus and I, I hope Santa gets my list. And then, ooh, look, there's a new Lexus in the driveway with a giant bow on it. That does not happen in reality, okay? No one ever puts a giant bow on a brand new car and says, wake up, honey. I think Santa left you something in the driveway. It doesn't happen. If it ever happens, they should film it. And put it on YouTube because I would love to see it. And I, 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 there's something that I just despise about what do rich people want for Christmas? <laughs> it's stupid, and I hate that. Let rich people get their own gifts, but you don't have to rub my middle class nose in it. Like, oh, am I a failure for not giving my wife a new Porsche for Christmas? No, I'm not. I hate those commercials. There's a jeweler right. here in Long Island, and I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what this guy is thinking, but he's got a commercial out where if you buy the the, the Infinity Diamond pendant for $20,000 for your lucky lady this Christmas, we'll give you a free Xbox. <laughs> like, what are you, right? Like, oh. Oh, honey, don't you love those diamonds? Isn't that great? Do you want to make love? No, 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 no. I want to go play Madden 16. <laughs> Mike, what? What? There's a giant disconnect there. It's hilarious. Yeah, I don't get that marketing, that's for sure. But if we're on Christmas stuff, in Michaeltopia, there are no more pictures of Elf on a Shelf in compromising positions. Oh, come on. That's funny. No, some of That's them are getting funny. so bad. Oh, it's great. It's great. Oh, my God. I am so glad I didn't live with that kind of pressure when my kids were small because um, now I guess there's, like, pressure to have more than one of these elves and, like, set them up in little, like, It's hilarious. Your friends and, you know, get all kinds of, like, I'm more creative than you and whatever. I'm like, oh, God, I didn't even have time for that. I have seen – here's my only problem with it, but it's it's what makes it great, and it's it's a double-edged sword. The look on the elf's face is so maniacal. 
right? <laughs> the creepiest. Thing it I is so know. creepy. So it, it's weird. Like I, I saw one. It was like a three way. It was it was the elf on a shelf with a couple yeah. of naked Barbies. But yeah. the look on the elf's face makes it disturbing. It takes away from the comedy of it. However. And these are like if you're gonna do pseudo porn pictures of Elf on a Shelf, I'm I implore you, just the funniest ones are when the elf is all by himself because then the look on his face kind of makes sense and adds to the comedy. The worst thing I saw have you last seen the, year. the the candy cane glory hole? That was hilarious. No, the worst thing I saw last year is some dude who actually rents himself out for Christmas parties, dressed as Elf on a Shelf, and will like actually come sit on your mantle. Oh yeah, not not cool at all. <laughs> like, oh my the, the, God, the look, terrifying. The look on the elf on the shelf's face is very much like those old timey clowns. Like there yep. used to be like these like these stuffed clowns, but they had a plastic face, and it's the same one. Remember that movie Poltergeist? Yes. Where the kid has the fight scene with the clown. It's that level of creepiness. <laughs> so if you're doing homemade uh, porn with elf on a shelf. Keep the elf by himself. That's the rule of thumb. Keep the elf by himself. God. I don't think it's going to get better than that. No. I think that's I think that's our closer. I wanted to get into uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 trailer. Go to theloftestparty.com and watch that. That thing is fantastic. The new it's Spider-Man. Fine. The new Spider-Man trailer is fantastic. Um, I'm going to go watch Star Wars. I'm, we're not we're not going to boycott Star Wars. That's like telling me to boycott air or or boycott boobs. It can't. It's not going to happen. OK, it was a fun show next week. I think we're going to do our year in review. I've always wanted to do a year in review show. We're getting closer to Christmas. It's time. We'll look back at the highs and lows. <laughs> God. But it'll be fun. So, hey, thank you so much. We will see you next week right here on the Loftus Party. For the Liberty Gypsy and myself, the man with no nickname. See you next time.